have a message I'm going to share. I'm going to just title it, um, You Are Revival. (laughs) Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Just give me a moment. (laughs) You're so good. Our key verses this morning. Oh, Lord, my gosh. Verses this morning is going to be out of Matthew six thirty three, and as I as I begin to share this message, you're gonna um, you're gonna see how the worship is right in this word. Okay, so our key verse is going to be coming out of Matthew six thirty three, and then also Isaiah six eight. Uh, Matthew six thirty three says this, but to seek. First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The other key verse we're going to be talking about today is going to be Isaiah 6, 8. And it says, then I heard a voice. The voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, here I am. Send me. (laughs) Someone in this generation. (laughs) Here I am. (laughs) Come on. Y'all ain't hearing me, man. Ah, Jesus. It is time for the bride of Christ to step into the reality of who we are as sons and daughters. Because you know what? Being a good Christian isn't going to work. That's why it's important when he says, Seek ye first the kingdom. Not seek ye first the best doctrine. Not seek ye first the, the, the grace message or the, you know, the, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to go there. But listen, seek ye first the kingdom. There is a difference, my friends. God does not care if you're a great Christian. He doesn't. It's time that we step into the reality of who we are as sons and daughters. It's time for us to mobilize, and it's time to activate. Listen, what we're doing out here in Bryan, even though it's not just about Bryan, it's about about Ohio, it's about the state, it's about the nation. As we got together with the different denominations, we had different pastors that that were represented. They, they were able to, to, to speak a declaration into the atmosphere. It was about unity. Come on, they spoke about, Heather was like, unity, unity. I'm like, what? Yes. Unity. It's time for us to demonstrate 
I had somebody that that uh that I love dearly. They watched the video where we were walking on a piece of land the other day, and we were praying for the land. And as we're praying for the land, we're saying, God, if this is what you want us to do, this Ohio ablaze. We were grabbing the dirt and like, God, we just, we take it, God. And then this, this person, my, my pastor, he calls me and he says, you know, I was watching the video. And as I was watching the video, he said, I had to get him a Harley and I took a ride. He said, the Lord began to speak to me. He said, this is what the Lord says. He said, tell him, son, I want you to exhibit the kingdom. Exhibit the kingdom. The word exhibit means this. It means to manifest or to deliberately display something. The Lord is saying, it's time for us to exhibit the kingdom. It's time for us to manifest it and deliberately put on display the kingdom of heaven. Ah! Come on, man. Oh, if I was a little bit skinny, I'd be jumping up. I'm afraid I'll break a leg. Holy Ghost, I'm telling you. There's got to be a fire that burns its soul. We have to demonstrate the kingdom of God here on earth. The definition of demonstration means this. It means to clearly show the existence of truth. For us to demonstrate the kingdom it means for us to demonstrate to clearly show the existence of the truth the kingdom the truth by giving proof and evidence how do we give evidence of the kingdom of heaven is it being at hand it's by demonstrating the goodness of god you know this man that Alice was talking about, he said, um, Celia was talking to him, and I just kind of came up, and he said, I heard a sound. He said, I don't know how many blocks away. He said, I heard a sound, so I, I had to follow the sound. And I was thinking, like, okay, prophetically, do I hear what he's saying? There's a sound of heaven that is being released right now, being released from the bride, from the bride that will manifest, that will exhibit, that will demonstrate the kingdom of heaven. And he came, and guess what? I mean, he, he knew the Lord, but we were able to prophesy unto him. We were able to share the word. And I believe there were seeds that were planted that day. Amen. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Matthew 16. Come on, don't we know these? We know these words. We say it all the time. What do we say? God is good. And then? See, we, we know these things. 
and it's programmed in, in our head. But yet we have a hard time believing that he's good. Outwardly, oh, he's good, brother. But then we're like, well, he's not that good. But we'll never say that openly. To know the Father, right, is to know his goodness. So the kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's in Matthew 6.10. But in order for the bride, listen, but in order for the bride to see this type of demonstration, we must first start with the revelation of the kingdom. You know, I remember, I think me and Jeff were talking about this the other day, how I remember growing up in church and being a young youth and like, Hearing Jesus is coming. And all I ever wanted to do was like I wanted to make sure I was right. I didn't want to miss it. Like, I mean, I was, I was like, I was, I was fearful that I would miss it. And then we were shown these movies where people were like just disappearing and vanishing. And then then I was shown these movies where people's heads were being chopped off. I don't know, maybe that was just when I was in I just saw some pretty so my I was in a fearful state. Like, gosh. <laughs> oh boy. Wow. In order for, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna backtrack a little bit. Jesus. Because we have to know who we are. And we have to know the goodness of God. And the revelation of who He is. And thank you, Father. Because see. When Jesus walked, his message the whole entire time was always about the kingdom. His message never changed. His message was never, it wasn't about Christianity. It wasn't about, it was about thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So everywhere Jesus went, he exhibited the kingdom. Everywhere he walked, he demonstrated the kingdom. So everywhere he went, the kingdom of heaven was manifested. And the way it became manifested was by the power and the authority that Jesus carried by the revelation of knowing that who he was. That's the same thing with you and I. Matthew 4, 17 says this. From then on, Jesus began to preach. This is right when Jesus' ministry begins. It says, from then on, Jesus began to preach. Repent your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is near. And what he did is he never deviated. Jesus never deviated from the Father's heart. He always made it about the kingdom. He always did. It was never about his opinion. Because you can imagine there was a lot of things that were going on. He could have just put his own two cents in. But he always made it about the kingdom. You see, from the very beginning, the devil has always been after our identity. And I'm going to tell you what, his tactic has not changed since the day of the garden. Now, he may do it a little bit different, 
But the way the enemy comes to attack is the same way that he did in that day in the garden. And what did he do? He came to look for agreement. The serpent came and he looked for agreement. How does, it, how does the devil come now? He comes and he whispers something in our ear. And then as he whispers in our ear, we give agreement. You're going to catch COVID-19. Oh. And all of a sudden you get a cough. And it's just allergies. <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to catch COVID-19. Oh, gosh. And then what happens? The spirit of fear comes in. That devil just... And he, and he throws a hook out and he catches you. The lie was the agreement. The thought's not the sin. The agreement to the thought is where you move in sin. It's the agreement to the very thought. Because, see, the devil will come and he'll tempt you. That doesn't, that's not the issue. It's when you give life to the thought that you speak it into existence. Because the same way we exhibit... We put it on display. The same way we exhibit the thought of a lie of the enemy, we put that lie on display. See, um, we see in Genesis how the serpent came to deceive creation to look for agreement. Listen, he came after creation. He came after Adam and Eve, the creation of God. Let's turn to Genesis 3. We're going to go on verse 4. In Genesis 3, we're going to be in verse 4 and 5. It's, it says in verse 4, You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows. And see, this is, the, this is the devil lying. He's coming to deceive. He's trying to rob their identity. He's trying to get them to think something different than what God has already said about who they are. He says, you won't die? The serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God knowing both good and evil. That was the lie. That was the deception that stepped in right there. Because, see, the truth was they were already like God. They were already like God. They were the image of God. They were the creation of God. So, therefore, they were one with God. They were the oneness. Listen, if anybody was, was, was in the fullness of God, it was Adam and Eve. Their eyes were already open. But the devil says, if you eat it, your eyes will be open. Their eyes were already open. What happens when they ate it, their eyes were shut. Uh-oh. When they took part of it, their eyes got closed. Because, see, it says that, uh, I was sitting in, in, in service during worship and I heard the Lord say, the duality of the spirit and the natural. I was like, Lord, what does that even mean? Is that we would live in the we would live in the duality 
of the spirit and life. Adam, the creation, they were spirit and life. They were, they were the oneness of God. Can you imagine? Okay. It says that he walked in the coolness of the day with God. The authority and the reverence of God when he walked. And I want you to visualize this as he steps foot. This is the authority of heaven being manifested. This is the authority of heaven being displayed, being put on exhibit. That when God walked, it says that the heaven and earth would shake. Come on. So Adam was the creation. He was the image of God. That when he walked, there was a level of power and authority. There was a level of dominion that they carried in the garden. That even when Adam walked, he walked with the oneness of God. That when he walked, it was, come on. And what did the devil want? He wanted to rob them of their identity because he knew that if he could get their eyes off of who they were, the oneness of God, the image, the creation of God, that they would no longer function the way they were created to, but they would believe the lie of who they weren't. They would no longer see. Adam was the image. He was the creation. He was God's masterpiece. He was his creation. Thank you, Lord. They walked in the Garden of Eden. You know, the Garden of Eden, was, it, was, it means the Garden of Pleasure. It was the Garden of Pleasure. He, you walked in the, and you walked in pleasure with God. <laughs> Let's turn to Romans 5. Because see, you are revival. But if you want to, if you, you want to be able to function and demonstrate the kingdom of heaven, the very first thing you need to know is who you are. You can't demonstrate something that you don't know. Romans 5, verse 17 through 19 says this. For the sin of one, uh, I'm sorry, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace. Well, let's listen to this. And his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Verse 18 says this. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God. A new life for everyone. Come on. Verse 19 says, because one person disobeyed God, 
Many became sinners. But because one person obeyed God, many were made right. So now, this is where we see Jesus coming on the scene. This is where Jesus comes on the scene. And what does he do? He comes to redeem what was lost. So the question is, what was lost? What was lost? It was the image. It was creation. It was the image that was lost. Um, Luke 19, verse 10. Luke 19, verse 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who were lost. It was the image that he came to redeem. Do you guys, do you guys understand what I'm saying? Are y'all getting? He came to redeem what was stolen in the garden. When the serpent came to lie, and when it said that he took part, it says that his eyes were then shut. The image was now lost. That's why you see Jesus was the last Adam. Because he came to redeem what Adam, what Adam had lost. So in Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and save for those, seek and save those who are lost. He came for the image, God's creation. That's why in Romans 8.19, we see that all creation, now listen, you got to get this part. Romans 8.19 says, for all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when the God, when God will reveal who his children really are. And I love the way it says that there. I meant to get rid of this translation in my Bible because I don't like it. So I just, I'm going to give him my new one. But the revealing of the sons of God. <laughs> That's what it was. It says, that's why Romans 8, 19 says, for all creation. Who's creation? We are creation. Adam was a creation. Adam was the image. The image was lost in the garden. That's why it says the whole, for creation waits for the eagle longing. Creation has been waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. What does that mean? It means this, that the earth is waiting for those again to walk like Adam did before the image was lost. He's waiting for the image. He's waiting for those to walk in the oneness of God, to walk in the authority, to walk. Come on. The oneness of God here on earth. When Jesus came, he came to, re, to redeem the lost. He came to, to redeem the image. So now Jesus walked the earth, and what did he do? He was all about the kingdom. So his whole message was the kingdom. And what was Jesus? He was the kingdom manifested. He was a kingdom exhibited. So when he walked, he walked the oneness of God. The word made flesh. 
Are you guys getting this? Come on, y'all are quiet. <laughs> oh, Lord. So, let's, let's, uh, let's go to Matthew 4. We're going to be in verse 17. Again, this is when Jesus, uh, his ministry started. And it says, from then on, Jesus began to preach. Repent for your, he says, repent of your sins and turn to God. For the kingdom of heaven is near. And we see here that his message, even in that, was always about the kingdom. So what I want to do right here is I want to talk about this one word. The word repent. This is a, this is a, a, a word that sparks controversy in our circles. So the word repent... And you know, I've I've uh, I've learned that that when we speak about repentance or repent, the word repent, oftentimes a debate can be stirred up because of different belief systems and and all this. So I'm just going to share um, what the Lord has shown me on this. Uh, everything should always be filtered, knowing the nature of God, and I, I, we've said this many times that. How we see God is going to become our filter in our language. It really will. The word repent in that scripture, in that context, it means metanoia. In this context, when it says the word repent, um, do we have that word up there? Yeah, awesome. The word repent right there is in this context means it's an action word it's a verb i want you I want you to hear what i'm saying it's a, it's an action word so he's saying repent it is a call to action not only that, but this is one of the commands of god you want to talk about commandments this is a command repent so it's an action it means metanoia. It's the verb. And it means it's a call to change the way that we think. It's a call to change the way that we believe. To no longer think and function with an old belief system. It's to have a renewed mind. To have a renewed mind. The mind of Christ, that's what it is. It's the mind of Christ. If we know that Jesus was always about the kingdom, then we know that his mind and his thoughts were always set on the kingdom. Because he was always kingdom-minded. Therefore, repent, change the way you think. So now we look at Luke 24, after Jesus dies and he's resurrected. Let's turn to Luke 24. 
I'm going somewhere. Work with me, work with me. All right, come on. Shaka bam, Holy Ghost, go! <laughs> Holy Ghost. Man. Luke 24, 47. If I can get the guys in the back to put that scripture up for me. Luke 24, 47. I promise I'm going to get rid of this, this translation here. I just do not like it. Right here. And that repentance for forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. So now this is Jesus after he's been resurrected. Now he's coming. He hadn't ascended to, to heaven yet. But now he comes and he, he appears to the disciples, right? He's in the resur- He's in the glory. Listen, he was in the glory. He was in the duality of the kingdom. He was in the duality of spirit and life, spirit and flesh. <laughs> and then he says, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name. That word repentance is no longer the same context that we see in Matthew 4.17. The word repentance in this context Oh, Jesus. It means that, okay, I'm going to read what I have in mind. It says in the NLT that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. When Jesus died that day on the cross, he fulfilled every word of the law, and then he said, it is finished. That word repentance in Luke 24, 47, in that context, it's no longer a verb. Because, see, we have now changed our mind. We no longer, we no longer believe the way we used to believe. That belief system is gone. That now, that word repentance, it's, a, it's, a, it's used in a noun form in this context which means it's a reversal. It's a reversal where we no longer take on the sinful nature, but we take on the nature of the finished work of the cross that we now live covered by the blood that when God the Father looks at us from above, he does not see a spot or blemish But what he sees is the blood of Jesus upon us that he says, that's my righteous son. That's the righteousness of heaven right there. (laughs) Jesus. He, He sees, God sees the completed work. He sees his righteousness. And what does he see? He sees the redeemed image. He sees what was lost has now been redeemed 
And no longer does he see what was lost in the garden, but the redemption of reality of who Jesus is now. Come on, man. Wow. This is why it's so important that we know who God is and that we are made in his image. And because of the blood that he shed for us, we are now made righteous. The righteousness of heaven sits upon those. Now I'm going to ask, and this is not to put anybody, but if, if, if there's anybody in here that does not know Jesus, if there's anybody in this room that does not know, even those that are watching right now online, if you say, I've, I don't know Jesus, I, I've, never, I've never met this Jesus, I've never given my life to the Lord, I've never surrendered, I want to give an opportunity for that first because I'm going to ask my next question. If there's anybody in here that would like to know Jesus, raise your hand. Okay, for those that are watching, send us an email. So now, now that everybody in here knows Jesus and you've you've been saved, and I, I pretty much knew that everybody knew the Lord. How should we live? 2 Corinthians. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians. We're going to turn to 2 Corinthians. And we're going to be in 5... And I'm going to start in verse five, uh, 15. How should we live? He died. It says in, it says in verse 5, 15. And I'm going to read 15 to 17. Verse 15 says, He died for everyone so that those who receive new life no longer live for themselves, but instead they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Verse 16, so that we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely as a, from a human point of view, how differently we know him now, the revelation of who he is. Yeah. 17 says this, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person and the old life is gone and the new life has begun. Everybody in here, that's you. So now, because everybody raised your hand in this room, I'm going to give you a number. Are y'all ready? The number is 611. That number is very important because that's the number of your death certificate. (laughs) Holy Ghost. 
That's the number of your death certificate. And it comes out of Romans 6, 11. Can we turn to Romans 6, 11? Now here it is. Verse 11 says, So also you should consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin and alive. <laughs> come on, let's sing, let's say this. I'll say let's sing it again, but I'm not singing it. But come on, let's say it again. <laughs> so you also should consider yourself to be dead but to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. Ah. <laughs> oh. Then number 12, 12 says, do not let sin control the way you live. And the way, okay, do not give to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourself completely to God. For you were dead. But now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Come on. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Come on, man. So if you ever want a death certificate, that's it. Now, this is one of the most important passages I'm going to read because a lot of times what happens is people, verse 15, it says, Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can does that mean we can go on sinning? See, that's where we get this whole belief system. And I'm just gonna say where we have this theology or this belief about once saved, always saved. And the response is, of course not. Of course not. Absolutely not. You see, because of what Jesus accomplished. We now become the recipients of this heavenly inheritance. And that means this, guys. That means everyone in here, you are a walking revival. You are walking. You're a walking revival. You are a move of God. Because no longer do we agree with what was lost, but we agree with the new nature and the kingdom of heaven is now manifested that we get to walk around just like Jesus as ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. This room right here is an embassy of heaven. And everybody in here are ambassadors of the kingdom. And the Lord has given dispatch orders to every single one of us. 
God's not asking you to become a Christian. But what he is saying is, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Again, one of our other key verses this morning was this. Because I wrote this in my notes. God is saying, will you go? Well, that's what they, the whole worship, the whole, everything this morning, everything that they said about identity, sonship, was in the worship. Isaiah 6, 8 says, Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And whom will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. We sang in worship this morning. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Send me, God. Yes, Lord. Do you realize what you're saying yes to? Man. It's like the Lord has said, here's your marching orders. Are we ready to see revival in our lives, in our homes? And I'm going to give us a couple of points just to live by. I'm, I'm going to be closing. I was, I was thinking about the, the, the commands of God and, and the commandments of Jesus and, and things that Jesus commanded and what he asked of us and and even in the prayer, even in our prayer time, how we should pray. And this is one of them. It comes out of Matthew 7, 8. And it says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the doors will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, a door will be opened. <laughs> you are revival. So now, I want to give us a couple mandates. Because I believe there's mandates for us to walk, to be a walking revival. Come on. I want you to picture that when you walk. When you walk with a, 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 a mindset of the heaven, the, the, a kingdom mindset, if you really walk in the oneness of God, you walk with all of heaven's authority around you and in you and through you and front you and for everywhere. Your revival. What is revival? Revival is the refreshing, it's the renewing, Revival is Jesus. Even the name, the Revival Hub. Like, why would you call it the Revival Hub? Because revival is Jesus. So you want to go, we're the Jesus Hub. <laughs> Come on, Jesus. Holy Ghost. Bam. So one of the mandates comes out of this. comes out of Matthew 10. 10 verse 1. And Jesus called to his disciples, 
Jesus called to his 12 disciples together and he gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. That's a mandate from heaven. Do it. Matthew 10, 8. Come on, we know this one. Go and announce to them. Is that what we were doing yesterday from the gazebo? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is here. And what does he say? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out the demons, and give freely as you have received. That's a mandate from heaven. You are revival. Walk in it. John 4, 12. Greater things will you do than Jesus. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these. Because I am going with the Father. That's a mandate from heaven for you. Mark 16, 17, anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe, and they will cast out demons in my name, and they will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle the snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it will not hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. Now, I'm not telling you, listen, disclaimer, don't go playing with snakes. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, Jesus. That's my disclaimer. You heard it live right here. But what it means is that we have power and authority. Luke 10, 17. It says, when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all power of the enemy. Listen, I have given you power and authority over the enemy. You can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you, but rejoice because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. <laughs> Let's stand. Come on. Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. You see, you are revival. Everywhere you go, you are a walking revival. 
to bring life, to be a light in a dark place. There's two things that I feel like the Lord is saying right now. First of all, he's calling for an awakening. God is calling us to be awoken. He wants to awaken the righteous. Because see, some of us in here, some of those watching, we've been good Christians. But we haven't been demonstrating the kingdom of heaven. You see, like I said from the beginning, Jesus was always about the kingdom. And if anything, he wants us to know who we are today. That even now, even, even when you leave, that you would know this. You are a son. You are a daughter of the Most High. And all of heaven's authority and power has been given unto you. You are revival. 1 Corinthians 15, 34. Be careful about what is right and stop sinning. For to shame, for to your shame, I will say, some of you don't know God at all. God is calling for awakening for some of us today to come into the reality of who we are, that we no longer identify with the sinful nature, but that we live in that state of it is finished. Ephesians 5, 14 through 15, for the light makes everything visible. This is why I, it is said, awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead. And the Christ and Christ will give you light, living by the Spirit's power. So be careful how you live and don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Father, I thank you, God. Lord, I thank you for this, this word, God. I just ask, God, that, that every word that was that is of you, God, that it would penetrate our hearts this morning, God. And, Lord, whatever wasn't of you, God, that it, would, it, that it would just fall to the ground, God. We thank you, Jesus, that, that you're giving us an opportunity today, God, to step in. And we ask for the revelation of who we are, that we are no longer... Orphans, God, we are not we are not here on this this planet, God, to, to function as orphans, God, but we are sons. The spirit of adoption is upon us. We thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross, God, and for the resurrection power, God. We thank you for the blood that was shared, God. And because of that, we are now the righteous heirs. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your goodness, God.